The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. Welcome back to part two of this episode. I really hope you enjoyed part one. Now let's get back into it. One of the blog posts that you had done on your 33rd year of living with diabetes was 33 things, I'm saying it in Irish accent, 33 things you have learned in 33 years with diabetes. And as I said to you, even before we press record, Holly, I loved it. I learned so much even just through reading it. And I know this is probably going to be a very, very difficult question, but from those 33 years and from those 33 things that you've learned, what do you feel are the most, what are the, what are the top three most influential things you've learned over those 33 years, now 40 years? From a life perspective or from a management perspective? Right. Because I, I can, you know, I, I've done more thinking recently about sort of what are the what are the top things from a management perspective? I think from a life perspective, I'm going to I'm going to hem and haw a little bit more. Either or whatever comes to mind, because yeah. the way I look at it is there's obviously very specific diabetes advice and things you've learned in terms of like pre-bolusing or splitting yeah. your doses for fat and protein. But there's yeah. also very relevant and influential kind of life lessons so what are the top three that come to mind for you so the ones i mean uh, the management management's a bit easier like that's a that's a little bit simpler um Mm. and you know i think i wrote about this in the in the 40 year um the 40 year post i put up but sort of the i would say the top three are um in terms of and the way i think about it is what what's the biggest bang for the buck right because everything takes effort Things take time, they take effort, they take energy, you have to focus on them. You know, some things are quick, but they do require, you have to remember it, you have to keep it at the top of your mind, you know, and it's one more thing in a busy life. And so the top three things from that perspective, I think, are water, you know, just because it's, it's there, the benefit to, the benefit to effort ratio is so high. Like there's so much benefit and the effort required is fairly low. Um, you know, you have a bottle bottle of water, you refill it, you drink it all the time. Um, and then the second one was exercise, um, which is harder, but the benefit comes to type one and to the rest of your life in so many ways. So it's really, there's a high benefit to effort ratio. Um, and then the third one was um, dosing insulin at the right time. 
And that was a hard one for me. I think until I had a, until I had a, a continuous glucose monitor, that one was really tough to get right. But once you have, if you have access to a CGM and you can watch the line, you can figure it out. You can figure it out by watching what happens and then figuring out, oh, okay. So if I move this this way, then the line levels out. And it just, it's, it's such a transformative thing when you can give insulin at the right time to match the food. Mm. Um, so those are the three sort of management things. From a life perspective, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to struggle a lot more <laughs> to, to come up <laughs> with, you know, what are really my top three? But I think, I mean, I think consistency and, and just sort of that sort of being okay with not being perfect, that you don't have to be perfect to be good. You just have to keep going at it and it doesn't always go well, but you just keep going at it and you learn and you try not to beat yourself up, which is easier said than done, but just being okay with the fact that you're not going to be perfect, but you can be good. Um, I think that's sort of my my top sort of life thing from diabetes that actually really helps me the rest of my life too, um, is that you don't have to be perfect to be good. Um, I think also that there's real power. And I think we talked about this a little bit about the fact that talking about type one in different contexts can, you're, you have to make yourself vulnerable to do that. And that's okay because there are people out there who are okay with that, right? And even if you've had bad experiences where, where people weren't there for you, lots of people will be there for you. And so recognizing that and recognizing that, um, that you are worthy of care, right? That was a big one for me was sort of really coming to terms with the fact that I am worthy of care. I am worthy of myself putting my own effort into my care. And I am worthy of people around me who are going to treat me with care. Um, and so I think those would be sort of the, the broader themes that are really, I'm really feeling today. Ask me tomorrow. I might give you three different ones. <laughs> That's okay. The consistency one stands out to me big time because it's so, so important. And the way I look at it, even again, from my own perspective with my own diabetes, it's like, if I can in some way, be as consistent with my management as my diabetes is in general, then I can manage it. Then I can stay consistent with it. And the way I look at it is success to me with, with my diabetes is not losing enthusiasm to manage it regardless of what happens the day before. Because we've all had terrible days. We've all had fantastic days. We've all had terrible weeks. We've all had fantastic weeks. But what I really feel success is with managing type one, because it's so consistent, is just having the ability to be enthusiastic about managing it every time you wake up in the morning. Easier said than done, but it's that consistency, I think, that has such a massive impact. You've obviously felt, felt that impact over 40 plus years. Something else that stood out to me, Holly, about the three like practical diabetes management tips was the fact that like they're relatively simple your water your exercise 
your timing of insulin. And I have a quote from your blog that I'm going to read out that perfectly ties into that. And it says, type 1 diabetes is going to consume more of my energy than I'd like. What I'd like is for us to consume none. I don't have a choice about whether the energy consumption will happen, but I have some control over when it happens. When I put energy up front, when I put in energy up front by pre-bolusing, weighing food so my boluses are bang on, bolusing with post-meal activity in mind and other such things, I can take it a bit easier afterwards because type 1 diabetes is less likely to suck energy out of me due to bouncing blood sugars. And that sounds I great abs- as an Irish accent. Yeah. <laughs> can I have you read all my stuff? I will. I will. I'll do the, I'll do the audio versions of your blog posts. But, awesome. I love yeah. it. I love yeah. it. <laughs> but I love that. And that's something that I personally feel so passionate about and how I, I, I call them essentially mini investments each day. And I call them min- those decisions, mini investments into my mood, my energy and my health. And yep. when we make those decisions consistently, they are exactly mini investments because they save us time. Yep. They save us energy. They save us that feeling of stress and overwhelm. And I think if we can have like an element of discipline to try and do them as consistently as possible, we benefit massively. And you touched on it the and i love the way you put it like the the effort to reward ratio is significantly different like just by drinking water it's relatively easy to drink water but the beneficial impact of it is enormous you know it's one of those things it's you get in cycles right so there are positive cycles and there are negative cycles and i've been in both you know i've had times where i was in a negative cycle and i think these are things that are easy to say and yeah. harder to do. And especially it's hard to invest when you don't get the benefit until later, right? When you're in a positive cycle where you're feeling the positive effects of the investment that you made, you know, six hours ago, 12 hours ago, 24 hours ago, it's easier to keep that in mind and keep it moving forward in the positive cycle. But it can be really hard to get out of a negative cycle when your energy is completely drained because you've been up and you've been down and you're low and high. And like, it's just, it's, it's a tougher thing to get out of. Um, so I think I, I just really want to acknowledge that because I've been in those, <laughs> I've been in those negative cycles mm. too, and they're, they're just awful. And, but I do, I, I think it's important for people to recognize that, or at least it's important for me to recognize when I've been in negative cycles and, you know, I hopefully I have a lot more decades to come and I will have, you know, and I think with many more decades, it's very likely that I will have some times where I'm like, I don't want to do this. (laughs) And so, you know, just being, being okay with that and being, being gentle with myself about the fact that, you know, energy goes through waves. Sometimes I'm, I'm not going to be feeling it. I'm not going to be feeling it. And so having, coping mechanisms in place to deal with those negative times where, okay, let's just take it a bit easier for a little bit. Let's, let's back off a little bit. Let's focus on, you know, just focus on the basics for a little bit, keep it, uh, keep it going and, and, you know, reevaluate in a, in a week or two weeks or four weeks or something like that. 
Um, you know, I, I, I completely agree with you about the investments. It's just, you know, if you are consistently broke, it's really hard to invest. Burnout is something we hear a lot in the diabetes world. What does that word mean to you, Holly? I mean, that's, you know, I think that's what I was just talking about with the negative. It's a, it's just a really negative cycle. It's when you're just done. You have nothing left to give. Everything feels too big and you're just tired of it. And, you know, I've been, I've had periods of burnout. Have you had periods of burnout? Yeah, absolutely. Burnout is one of those things that it's just an inevitable part of living your life with diabetes. You, you can't, you can't not go through periods where you're thinking, oh God, let, like, just give me a break. You, you can't not have those times. The most important thing with that is, is being able to identify, can I see a pattern or was there a reason as to kind of why I got into that? And then is there any way, or like you've said yourself, is there something in my control, tiny, 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 tiny steps that I can do to help kind of get myself out of that cycle? Yeah. I So something that I've found that has been helpful during times of burnout has been to not feel impatient about it, to recognize that as long, you know, that it's not something that I can just decide to end tomorrow. You know, I, and this could be, I, I don't know if this makes it worse or better. I just know that it, it, it works for me is to be really accepting of where I am at the time I am there and to not get all upset about the fact that I'm feeling burnt out and to just be okay with the fact that, yeah, yeah, this is hard, you know, and it's okay that I'm feeling like it's hard because it's hard. And maybe I'm just going to feel like this for today and let's see how I feel tomorrow. And maybe I'm going to feel like this for a few weeks and let's see how I feel a few weeks from now. And I'm just going to do my best. And that's all I can do. And, you know, I, I really do try to dial it back to the basics when I'm feeling really burnt out and overwhelmed. Cause usually for me, it's overwhelm. You know, it's it, burnout for me is often a function of overwhelm. There's just too much. And often it's, it's not just diabetes, it's diabetes in the context of a busy life. And just everything is too much. And how do I dial it back and take care of the basics? You know, keep myself alive, keep myself going, you know, um, and even just something so simple as, you know, just repeated foods. Foods that I know, I know how this works. I know how to bolus for this. I know what it's gonna do. I like how it tastes. You know, and, and having having some basics to rely on, I find really helpful for those times because it I just ride it out. You know, it's not a decision so much as it is a I trust that this is I'm not gonna feel like this forever. I trust that I'm gonna ride this out, it's gonna end, don't know when, but it's gonna be okay. If I need some help, I'm gonna reach out for more help, but I'm just gonna ride this out and see what happens. I love that. Back to basics, just try and keep it as as simple as humanly possible at that time of overwhelm of like predictable foods, foods that I'm confident in having and you know, just keeping it simple as much as possible. Holly, something that stood out to me through the blog post that you did about 33 things that you've learned in 
33 years with diabetes was the word worry. And you mentioned it a couple of times and you've, you've touched on it slightly here around those kind of fear tactics that sometimes can be used around like, this is what will happen if you don't do this. And it can work for some people. It can do the opposite for other people. But one of the things that you, you touched on in the blog post, and I kind of resonated a lot with, was that you said, to a certain extent, worry had almost been something to keep you motivated more than if you weren't worried. And not that that was the, the core driver to how you manage your diabetes, but I, I feel that having an element of worry or having an element of fear can be used in a good way because if there's a pinch of that in, it's like, well, look, this is the reality of the condition. So if there's a hint of fear, a hint of worry, it can work to benefit me to keep me on my toes to a certain extent. But when you think of, of worry, has it changed for you? Like, did you used to worry about different things in relation to your diabetes years ago that you don't anymore and now 40 years on are there things that you worry about that were almost non-existent years ago that's a really good question it's a very deep question um (laughs) so i am sort of an anxious person as at baseline you know i'm a worrier i i worry about things i'm a mom you know (laughs) i think that it sort of comes with the territory and I think when I was, when I hit 33 years, um, I had, I'd had some feedback from my family doctor in particular saying things like, you're the best, you're the best controlled type one I have. Why are you worried? Right. Not in so many words. And we had this conversation in French, but you know, that was the gist (laughs) of it. And my response was, why do you think I'm the best controlled? It's because I worry. Right. So I think that I think that what I what I wrote at that time was almost a reflection to being told that I shouldn't worry so much. Right. And I resented that. I resented being told that I shouldn't worry because to me, I took it as, you know, the way that you are taking care of yourself, the way that you are coping emotionally with the stressors of your life, the stressors of type one and everything else around it is, is bad and wrong. And you are bad and wrong, right? Um, that's me over reading into things, which is a thing that I think a lot of people do. Um, so, so it, what I was writing there was really about my own reaction and my own reflection where I was at that time. I would say right now, I worry a lot less And that is mostly because I've done more things in the intervening time. You know, I do a lot of yoga and a lot more, you know, um, I was able to move. So at the time I was able to run about three times a week and it's so good for, it's my best stress management strategy. And so in the intervening years, I was able to bring running up to five to six times a week And so there are things that I do now to manage worry in a more, in a healthier way overall. 
but I don't think the worry I was doing at the time was unhealthy. And I, I, I think it was just, it, it was where I was at that time in my life. Um, there was a lot of uncertainty around things that were related to type one, but not necessarily. And, you know, just the future is always uncertain. So I think there are things that just being able to cope with that uncertainty and being able to cope with the fact that you can do everything right and bad things can still happen, right? And so knowing that, but not having accepted that yet put me in the headspace where I had worry about the potential bad things, right? Um, mm. I don't know if I'm explaining myself very well, but that's the, like, you know, I think when you're reading that from seven years ago, it was true at the time. I would say my view on it has evolved a little bit, but I do think, you know, I think it's okay to feel how you feel. It's okay to be worried. It's okay not to be worried. And I don't think that anyone else can decide for us how we should be feeling about type one. I think it's reasonable for other people, especially who have medical expertise, to have opinions and to be able to share knowledge about, okay, well, here are some potential goals. Here's something that you might want to think about and that sort of thing. But I think, you know, it, I'm not sure that it's really helpful to, um, to decide for anyone else how they should be coping emotionally with the stressors of type one and of other things in their lives. Hmm. You definitely explained that very well. Absolutely. I think yeah. it's for me, this kind of ties in and even just your experience where your, your doctor was saying, like, you're doing amazing, Holly, you know, this is, you're, you're the best managed diabetic I've seen. This for me almost ties in with, a1c results because of course a1c results they're really really important but i've spoken to i don't know how many people at this stage who they go to these appointments and on paper their a1c is check you know everything's perfect you're doing really really well but they know that day to day like that a1c is the average of all these highs and lows all these highs and lows all these highs and lows that I know is having an impact on essentially my quality of life each day. And I think it's like the A1C is important, but for me, what's more important is, is that quality of life is knowing that diabetes has a unique way of kind of keeping you in the present, but also keeping your mind to a certain extent in the future of what may occur, what, like what uncertainty may unfold. But if we can keep the daily management, the short-term management in, in a place where like, we feel good, we feel energized, we feel, like we said at the start of the call, how people should feel, then we, I think we have more confidence to know that long-term I'm in a better place anyway. But to go back to the worry, for me personally, that little hint of worry I think helps me because I'm, I'm somebody who kind of likes to be consistent and quite regimented anyway, but that little hint is almost like a, an extra spark to, to keep me, to keep me more consistent. Holly, I know you're an incredibly busy person. I know you've loads going on for the rest of the day. I have two more questions for you. The second last question is to help me alone. <laughs> 
right? But from your 40 years with diabetes up to this point, what would your advice to me be? Who is living with diabetes for 11 plus years? For my next 30 years, what would your advice be? Oh, gosh. I don't think you need advice. (laughs) I mean, I think... Well, I don't know. Maybe you do. All advice is good advice. All right. For you specifically, I think you should try a pump. And the reason I would suggest trying it is because the ability to manipulate basal ahead of exercise is incredible. Mm. So it, it takes away, you know, it, it really simple. Well, it doesn't simplify it, but it makes certain things possible that you can't do on MDI. That was something that you wrote in the blog post about the podcast too, around. Yes, I because, did. I did. Yeah, Just no, that- we, yeah, which I appreciate, <laughs> but it's a, I, I obviously know much like diabetes itself. It's very different to know about something as opposed to having lived with the use of it. And yeah, maybe, maybe I should try a pump Polly now that you've yeah. given me the advice. I know it's really complicated and it's complicated to get all the insurance and all that sort of stuff. I just, I have always found it useful to try things. I don't always try them immediately, you know, but I've tried all the different CGMs. I've tried almost all the different insulins. I've tried almost all the different pumps. Like I'm moving to, I'm moving to Omnipod soon. And I, I just, I never wanted the pod on my body. I don't love them. Um, It's quite big. Anyone who I know who uses it loves it. I know, I know. So I think, I mean, I look at that, and I'm like, okay, well, I should try it. Right. Mm. And so, and in Canada, it's just an insurance thing in terms of what I have available to me and what is available in Canada and what works with the um, do it yourself um, closed loop algorithm that I use. There are only, there are, there are a limited number of options that are available in Canada. And that's the one I can get that will. You know, I'm currently looping on an old Medtronic that's like 20 years old. So I, I really <laughs> admire the engineering because it is still ticking. But I probably can't loop on this for the rest of my life. So I need to, you know, it was time. I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to look into this. My, my work insurance would, would, finally cover, would finally cover this. And so I was able to, able to work on that. And, you know, it takes time, it's effort. And it's, you know, what I've got is working. Why would I change? Except that mm. there's, there are always things coming out. And you don't know unless you try it, it might be better, hmm. right? And if it isn't better, well, you go back. Next time you're on the podcast, I'll have a pump, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, or Holly. you will have tried a pump. You might, yeah. It might not be the thing for you. But from a, you know, for anyone who is really active, especially being able to dial down your basal ahead of time is so powerful. It's such a great hmm. tool. Hmm. So... I suppose part of the reason that I haven't personally used the pump is because I've managed things well on pens. But like for me, for me, the only time really I will change my basal specifically for exercise is if I'm doing a a longer run and I kind of prepare maybe a day or potentially even two days in advance with basal, depending on how long the run is. But I knew that's what the piece of advice you were going to give me was. So I'm going to ask you to give me another piece of advice. <laughs> right? Because <Okay. laughs> I, I knew you'd say that because I knew you had it in the blog post. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I did not. 
I was not expecting that question, so I did not know. But obviously, you you know me better than I know myself. Then, <laughs> one more piece of advice, Holly. Over the forty years, yeah. what else stands out to you that you feel could benefit somebody who isn't at forty years just yet? I think the number one thing that I would love to convey, I would love to convey to other people with type one who don't already feel this is that you are worthy of care. You are worthy of spending the time, sometimes the money, but most, you know, for a lot of people, for a lot of people, the money can be arranged for some people. The money is a real barrier. Um, but you are worthy of care and you are worthy of your own care and of other people's care. And if you aren't able to devote the care and if the people around you aren't giving you the care, um, anything that you can do to change that situation um, is something to really seriously consider because um, other people can't get you out of the situation you're in. That has to be you, and you have to believe that it's worth it. Mm. I love it. I have one more question for you. And I know you're probably expecting this question because you've listened to a few episodes of the podcast in the past. But if you had to thank your diabetes for something, Holly, after these 40 years, what would it be? So I remember listening to an episode and there was an older woman who's had type one even longer than I have. Um, and I think she was Irish. Yeah, she was. And she said nothing. Geraldine. I loved her so much. Um, and I remember listening to that and thinking, yes, nothing. Um, however, if I had to, I would probably thank it for that early sign about the person I ended up marrying. And I like to think like I would have, you know, that, that we would have, our, our relationship would have sparked anyway. And like, there were so many other reasons that we were, that we're a good match, but just the fact, like it really fast forwarded my feelings, my feelings got fast forwarded there. And, you know, that, and, and it led me to this amazing life with an amazing person and two amazing kids. And so I'm really grateful for that, um, that, having type one and having that low gave me the opportunity to see that another person could make me feel so cared for. And so, you know, like cared for, but in a way that I wasn't a burden. Right. And so that that was possible that I could have that. Um, and that this person who is an amazing human being that I get to spend my life with. So that's what I would thank diabetes for. That's, I think, my favorite answer to that question. That's a really, really nice answer. I love Thanks. that. You're, I'm sure your husband will be happy to hear that as well. <laughs> Holly. I'll make him listen. Yeah, do, do. Holly, I really, really enjoyed this chat. Thank you so much for coming on. And from a personal standpoint, it's very reassuring to know that 11 plus years of diabetes you are healthy you're happy you're active you've a healthy and happy family after 40 plus years with diabetes so from a personal place thank you very much and just in general thank you so much for your time i know you're busy but i really really enjoyed this chat thanks so much
This was really fun. Thank you. Holly, is there anywhere people can find out more about you? They can read your blog specifically? Yeah. I mean, that's... I. So I am not... <laughs> <laughs> I used to be very present on Twitter. I don't spend as much time there. It's not the same place anymore. It was really fun at the time. I technically <laughs> have an Instagram. I have not figured out Instagram. I just haven't spent the time. It sounds amazing. Um, you know, no shade against people who who enjoy it. I just haven't spent the time there. Um, but yeah, if you Google me, you will find me. There are two Hollywoodmans on the internet. I am not the nurse in New Zealand. All the other Hollywoodmans. <laughs> Perfect. We'll also link the links to the blog posts that we were speaking okay. about in this episode in the description. But Holly, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Really enjoyed this chat. I'll speak to you soon, I'm sure. Thank you. Me too. Another massive thank you to today's guest. And if you haven't already, be sure to check out their social channels and links that we've included in the episode description. If you enjoy the podcast, which I'm guessing you do because you listen, be sure to rate subscribe and share it really really helps the podcast get heard by more people when you rate when you subscribe and when you share if you feel that you've been able to benefit from it so far likely someone else would be too if you have any questions or stories for myself and graham please do not hesitate to reach out we absolutely love getting in the email stories and questions you can do this through the insulone podcast at gmail.com and if you would like to learn more from me stay connected or even work with me and other people living with type 1 diabetes who want to be fitter healthier and happier within my type 1% better online program you can message me directly through instagram or you can fill out an application form through the link in the podcast description and as always another massive thank you to you for your time and your ears We greatly appreciate you showing up each week, time after time, ready to gain knowledge and confidence around your diabetes management. So until next week, have a good day, have a good week, look after those blood sugars, and I'll chat to you soon. Take it easy.